they all came back that I was going to be a mid to late first rounder. And so my brother calls, my older brother calls and breaks this news to me. And I remember I was in the, I was in the football facility. I just got done working out. And I thought, I thought I was being punked. Like I thought he <laughs> was joking with me. This podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow, overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Well, excited to be back for season two of Beyond the X's and O's. I hope you enjoyed season one uh, as much as I enjoy talking to our guests. Uh, season two is going to be interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be incredible, actually. We're still going to talk to quarterbacks that have been long on their journey, so long in the tooth. But in my life right now, I'm at the end of my high school football season. I have arguably the best quarterback in the country that I'm coaching. I'm watching my kids get recruited. I'm watching... Luther, my quarterback, get recruited, and I really want to dive deep into this journey of the quarterback as they leave high school, go to college, that process, um, how uncomfortable that can be to leave something you've built as a high school quarterback and then go to something that's already built, a college program, and uh, some of the difficulties and the adversity that guys face in that transition. Um yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think you can learn a lot from it, and I think you're going to be surprised by how many great quarterbacks um, really struggle early on in their time in college. And, and we're going to, like I said, take a deep dive into that. Well, today we're going to spend some time with a great quarterback, a guy that has an incredible story, Alex Smith. And uh, as we talked to him, uh, a couple of things jumped out to me. Number one, he was 5'7", 135 pounds when he started playing quarterback. Now, Alex played at about six, four and a half to 25. So when did he grow so much? Well, it really wasn't till college and he wasn't that highly recruited. He played high school football with a good dude named Reggie Bush and Reggie Bush. If you have never seen his high school highlight, make sure you go to YouTube and watch it because it might be the best high school highlight you'll ever seen. He was just as big and strong in high school as he was at USC and the NFL. So Alex really wasn't recognized that much. He ends up by a weird series of events going to Utah Thinks he's got a chance under the old coach, and here rolls in Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer wants to run the quarterback. Well, here's skinny little Alex, not a very good athlete, self-admittedly, and he's looking at himself going, how in the heck am I going to play quarterback for this guy? Well, you hear his journey about how he becomes a better athlete. He earns the trust of that staff uh, and really goes on to a great career at Utah, which allows him to be the first pick of the draft. Uh, and then we get all through the career. We talk a lot about the injury uh, and the well-documented rehab from the dramatic injury he suffered as an NFL player and we talk about his family and it's really fun to hear Alex's perspective looking back now at a big career uh, on all the lessons learned I know you can learn something for from it so let's get started with Alex Smith well I'm so excited for this next guest Alex Smith um, obviously incredible career wonderful story he's going to get into and more importantly a good friend I got traded to San Francisco in 2007 specifically to help mentor Alex I think I learned more from Alex than Alex learned from me uh, but it was the beginning of a great friendship got to see him get married and start having kids and grow into this incredible uh, presence that he was in the NFL so Alex it's still great to have you and I'm so excited to hear about your journey today Trent, so good to be here, man. It's been uh, been too long since we got to got to connect, and uh, looking forward to it. Let's just chop it up and let the audience kind of have a have a listen to us chopping it up. And I want to yeah. start like we do with every time I bring a quarterback on uh, with the high school experience. It's special to me, obviously, as a high school coach. But I think most uh, quarterbacks we've talked to get fired up when I tee up this question. Talk to, talk me through a Friday night at Helix High School. Uh, and also your first ever varsity touchdown pass. Oh yeah, I love it. All right, so um, yeah, I went to I went to a, a big big football high school, big high school athletics and school in, in San Diego, Helix High School. I hadn't played football before, you know. But I grew up in a big football family. My dad played, you know, at Weber State, and my brother played quarterback. That's why I wanted to play quarterback. And um, 
but I didn't get to play. My dad didn't let me play tackle football growing up. I played soccer and baseball and basketball and stuff. So, but I'd been dreaming about it. It was like a dream of mine to play. And so I get to Helix and um, no, no football experience. I play freshman ball and there's really also no expectations on me at this point, right? Like nobody, I remember my freshman year, I, I think I was five, seven and I was like 105 pounds <laughs> and I, I wanted to go out for freshman football. And my dad, this is, this is a real story. My dad sat me down that fall. He also happened to be the high school, my high school principal. And he sat me down <laughs> that fall and he had a serious conversation and that, did I really want to consider, maybe I should really consider running cross country and <laughs> as my fall, as my fall sport instead of football. Cause it was not in the cards for me. I mean, I was the slowest guy on the team, you know, like I, it was, it wasn't good. And I know we ran wing T football in high school. So I basically just handed the ball off the whole time, but I, I loved it. I loved freshman football. I played freshman as a, I was my first year. And then I played JV my sophomore year, still kind of, you know, finding out my, figuring out my way. And I wasn't, again, no, nobody was expecting anything of me. I hadn't done anything. Um, and, and then we were a great, we were a great program. You know, our, our, we'd go to the playoffs every year playing for championships in San Diego County. And then my junior year, um, I won the starting job, but everybody at that point still was kind of like, well, I only got it cause I was the principal's kid, you know? Um, but I was so pumped to be playing at that point I'd kind of sprouted and grown. I was about six, two, six, three. I was, you know, about 150 pounds soaking wet. I was gangly, but wow. I could start to throw, I could start to throw. It was kind of, you know, Gumby ish. I could throw a little bit. And my first varsity start my junior year, we played another, another powerhouse, Patrick Henry. It's where uh, Ricky Williams went to school, another big school in, in San Diego County. And we played them on the road and I'll never forget uh, my first session bass. I threw it to Todd Watkins on a go route. He actually ended up going to BYU. He played a couple years in the league. He was a could really run. And we ran, we threw a go ball and I, it was a, just a duck. I threw out there <laughs> a, a duck and I'll never, I'll never forget it. Cause you know, the high school sports show, I think it was like, it was called the San Diego County. It's called the prep pigskin report was there and filmed us. We were ranked in the County and we won. We, we, we beat them pretty good. We also happen to have this kid named Reggie Bush, who was yeah. a sophomore that I handed off to most of the game. And he, you know, he did most of it, but I did throw, I did throw a couple of touchdown passes. One of them was this go route was my first one. And it made the prep pigskin report. And I remember coming home, you know, when you're, when you're in high school, you come home and you make the local news a highlight. Like that was my first time ever doing that and how good it felt, but it was, a, it was a definite duck that I chucked out there and he was wide open. It was a good me. But yeah, that was first one, first W. And that, and actually, honestly, that was my first game that uh it kind of clicked for me that i thought man i i think maybe i got a chance like oh, I, I like i was the only one that thought it no one else i mean no <laughs> but like that was the first time i really started to get some confidence and belief in myself that you know what i think maybe i think maybe i can play and uh that really kind of was the light switch going on a little bit for me you know my dream was to play college football and that's yeah. that's that light switch like maybe i could chase this yeah well, yeah. I think a couple of things I want to pull out of there. Number one, freshman year, five, 705 pounds. Yep. I remember it. I think I was, yeah, I think I was five, seven, one Oh seven. I remember weighing in, in the weight room. Well, it's important because there's some freshmen. They're going to be listening to this. They're like, I'm too small. I'm too weak. I can't ever see myself being the quarterback. Why am I not growing? My brothers are six, three, my dad's six, three. I mean, this is great to hear from you five, seven, one Oh seven. Freshman year in high school, I remember the combine. I think you were six four and an eight two seventeen to two twenty somewhere in there. Uh, when we played together in San Francisco, you'd pawn another ten. I think I think you got up to like two twenty eight two thirty. That was the most. That was the biggest I was in my career when we were together. Yeah, this, you were, yeah. you got after it in the weight room. Yeah. Um, great athlete. So I just say point that out for those of you listening right now that don't you can't in your mind see yourself being looking like Alex Smith. Well, he looked like you. As a freshman, five seven one zero seven, look what he grew into. And the other thing too is talk to me about the emotions. So you wait your freshman sophomore year, you're at a huge high school. And I think this is different for every person because some kids are going to small high schools. Football is not the huge deal. There's a couple hundred people there on Friday night, but Helix High that's a big school. There's a legacy there of winning. There's a lot of pressure around it. The summer program is intense. Talk to me about your emotions going into that first start your junior year. A couple of things. And, and to go back to my freshman year, I distinctly remember we ran 40s, you know, as freshman football. 
I, I honestly think I was the slowest guy on the team. I think I ran slower than the, I think I ran slower than all the linemen. Those big, heavy feet. You could hear yeah, you running. <laughs> I, I had like size 13 feet, you know, and, and, but I think everybody's different. Everybody develops differently. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, especially at that point, like coming into your body. Yeah. I, there, I had teammates that were shaving and, you know, I had beards and I, <laughs> I wasn't even close to hitting puberty. Um, but yeah, and then I, I think it was a big high school, but it was really great for me. I loved the freshman program because at a bigger high school, it was a great place for me. I wasn't ready yet to play with older kids. Like being just playing just freshman ball was, was perfect for me. It actually gave me a chance. My first time ever playing quarterback, like tackle football. I mean, kind of, I, I think, figuring it out a little bit. And then JV was the same way. I, I needed to play JV my sophomore year. I, I, I didn't have, if I had to play varsity, it wouldn't have been a good experience for me. And Finally, I think I was ready my junior year, and it was. It was big, big high school football, you know. And there were expectations on us as a team. I don't think there were – the nice thing for me is it's still running the wing tee. There weren't crazy expectations on me as a quarterback, and it let me kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Obviously, I had to be able to go out there and, and run the offense, but I wasn't expected to throw for 300 yards. Like, we, I wasn't running these high school offenses that are out there now. I think I was ready for that, but I was, I was, this is something I've been dreaming about. I've been going to watch my brother play high school football when I was six years old. You know, I was in the little, with all the little siblings running around in the end zone, you know, pretending we were our, our older siblings and, and I'd been dreaming about it a long time. And I wasn't thinking about anything else. You know, I was just in the moment. I was so happy to be there and be playing. I wasn't, I didn't have a, there, there wasn't a single thought in my head that I would ever play professional football. Like, I, you know, college was something that was there on the back burner, but I, I was loving playing high school football. And it was, it was a big deal, big deal for yeah. me to be playing. And, and, you know, the band, the student section and, and playing in front of the crowds, like it, it was so much fun. I'll cherish it forever. And I think being on that stage, the, that first start did, like I said, I, I think having a little success, having a little taste of it, like, oh man, I can, I can do that. That was the first time, like, yeah, I, I think I can do this, you know? Yeah. And yep. it helps. You end up going 25 and one in your career at Helix, I believe. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We went undefeated my junior year, won the championship. Back then they didn't have the state title in California. So we won our section, which was the Southern section. It, it's bigger than like 20 States. And, and then my junior year, uh, we won it all again, but we did lose. We lost to our rivals. Reggie, Reggie ran for like 350 yards and had five fumbles. Well, we're just uh, getting ready to talk about Reggie. Yeah. He had five fumbles? No way. You know, have you seen Reggie carry the football? He oh, yeah, it's loose, everywhere. Little yeah, 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 yeah. You can imagine. You can imagine when he was in high school, it was even worse. Um, yeah, that game we lost, I think I went like six of eight for like 150 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. And we lost. We ended up playing. They were our league rivals. It was, we were ranked nationally. Um, I kind of, we fell off the map after that. But then we got to play him in the semifinals and uh got our got our revenge so nice now some would say that reggie bush's high school highlight film is the greatest of all time i i've heard it's definitely in the top five where it just yeah. for fun i mean how many times have you seen it and have you ever seen a better one i mean you gotta see it live and the highlight film yeah so i played with him his junior his sophomore junior year he was one year behind me and i mean obviously i think there's been some phenomenal high school athletes and running backs, especially over the years, but I would put his up with anybody as far as just electric runs. I mean, I remember on our high school highlight tape, you know, that they put together at the end of the season, there were, there were plays where like missed tackles. I mean, he, he, there'd be like 15 missed tackles. Guys would get up, <laughs> he would cut back from one side of the field and come back. Guys would have gotten up, missed a tackle, gotten up, ran over, missed another one. I mean, he was spinning and cutbacks and it was crazy. You know, for me, as a, as you know, when you're running the wing tee, it was always big. Like, keep, so you know, you run, you run, uh, you know, the whole buck sweep series, uh, waggle, you know, waggle out. Oh yeah. And so half the time, you're, you know, you're running out your fakes, and about a third of the time, Reggie was coming back to you. You know, he cut back, <laughs> run back across the field, and you're back. You're out there as a quarterback, and I'm trying to throw, you know, throw blocks, and um, it was fun. He was so much fun. And then, you know, occasionally he'd get tackled for like a. 10 yard loss because he was doing so much. So that, that was, then we got to throw it and then we motioned Reggie out and threw him a go route or something. Uh, Cause no one could cover him either. Or we threw him a screen. Um, but yeah, he was electric. Like I, I would put his tape with that with anybody. I couldn't imagine it. I mean, 
training, but obviously seeing him play in college and pros, just, I mean, imagine with a bunch of high school kids on the field, you know, and he oh, looked, he looked the same at 14 years old. I mean, oh, take wow. five pounds off. Yeah. But he, he looked the same. Oh my goodness. So w- w- talk to me about your recruiting journey. A lot of feedback we've gotten about the show. Parents love hearing the recruiting stories. It adds perspective. The kids love and hearing recruiting stories. And we've had all the famers come on and say they weren't recruited till after yep. their senior year. So uh, what was your recruiting journey like? You know, unheralded, unranked. Back then, there weren't as many of the camps, like especially these regional camps that where they do kind of these evaluations and you get to go and kind of see yourself next to, you know, a lot of your peers that are out there. There wasn't really that going on. You know, Elite 11 was going, but back then they would kind of just arbitrarily picked the 11 guys. There wasn't like it is now where you guys, you know, again, do these regional camps and guys can get to move forward even if they're a little, they don't go to big schools or big programs. And so, um, yeah, I played my entire junior year. We won the championship. Uh, no rank. I mean, I wasn't getting sniffed. I'd get kind of some of those generic letters from really small schools, one double A schools and growing up a West coast kid, you know, the pack, the pack 10 back then was your dream. I mean, you go play for a pack 10 school would have been absolutely amazing. And, um, uh, I didn't go to any camps. So I didn't go to a single camp. I mean, I, I was trying to get stronger. I could barely lift. I, could, I couldn't bench press the two plates, you know. I ended up going to San Diego State, had a passing league tournament right before my senior year. And we went, and Ted Tolner was the head coach. And we, we went to the finals and lost in the finals of the passing league tournament. And I played pretty well. And that's when Ted, Ted Tolner offered me a scholarship. Um, and then he then that season got let go. And so the scholarship went away. And then the University of Utah was on me. Um, Bill Bush was the recruiter and they came down and he offered me my senior year. And that was my loan scholarship. Meanwhile, my, my uncle, my dad's brother is yep. the head football coach at the University of Louisville at the time. I remember so that. So he's the head coach at Louisville. Scott Linehan's his offensive coordinator. Yep. And I trip out there. And of course he offers me and I can never quite get over, you know, like the nepotism, like, what am I really good enough? Or is he just offering me? Cause I'm his nephew, <laughs> Dave Ragone. They just had Chris Redman. And then Dave Ragone was the, the quarterback then. And they were, they were really good. They were nationally ranked and I tripped out there, but I had one offer. So it was at that point, San Diego state's offer went away and I had, it was the university of Utah. And I took two official visits. I went to the university of Utah and then I went out to Louisville. Um, Cause my uncle and, those were my choices. Other than that, I had a couple, I had some one double A's coming after me again. I didn't throw the ball. So, and there weren't any, there, were, there wasn't the huddle or any of this stuff going on. So I remember my senior year, I had so few pass attempts that I put every, I put interceptions on tape <laughs> because no, I, had didn't. To, I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough tape. So they literally like just put every pass attempt you have on there. So I put every single pass attempt I had my senior year and was like sending this out. And it was kind of a blessing and a curse because we, we ran the ball. We were really good. I think I only played a couple, like, three full games my senior year. You know, we were blowing people out. And, and uh, you know, I'd be standing on a sideline most of the second half. But Reggie at this point was a huge recruit my senior year. And so we got every school in the country was at our high school. So we would do a lot of these accidental, you know, I was, oh, I'd just be happened to throwing on the field. I'd be playing catch when some of these recruiters were there, especially some of the schools that maybe fit that I was trying to hope to go to, you know, maybe some of the lower Mountain West, the WAC, the lower yeah. Pac-10 schools that I was really kind of trying to, to thought could fit. And so I would go throw for a lot of these schools and recruit these coaches when they were on campus trying. I mean, like if I could, like the Pac-10 schools, that was, my, I mean, I, I think I sent to every school and trying to get in. And, and couldn't you know they were all taken they took the biggest recruits in the country Stanford took Trent Edwards I think he was like mm-hmm. the number three recruit um, UCLA took two Drew Olson um, and Matt Moore my year like they, they, they were all taking these huge huge recruits and I obviously always wondered how I stacked up you know I read about all these quarterbacks you know at, at, at elite 11 and I always just wondered if I could do it and so Utah was the only offer I tripped up there I loved it um, I was familiar with the area, you know, my, my, both my parents went to Weber state. My dad played football at Weber state. So I, I had gone up there and was familiar with Utah and, and, and loved what the program was doing. And I jumped at it. I turned down, I ended up turning down uh, opportunities to go play in the Ivy league, you know, Penn, Dartmouth, Harvard. And, uh, I went out there and, and visited those schools unofficially. 
and obviously was incredibly intrigued by the education and the chance to play ball. It, it, it rubbed me a little wrong that they don't play, they don't go to the one double a championship. You know, they, they only play for the the Ivy league championship. So it really kind of uh, was unsettled from unsettling for me. And like I said, I I still had this deep down one. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if I could play division division one football. And again, one, one place, Utah, Utah gave me the chance and, and uh, I I loved it up there and, and jumped at it. Well, we're going to go to our first break. When we get back, we'll do a deep dive into Alex's career at Utah and how that chip on his shoulder and that burning desire to be great helped him become a Heisman Trophy um, candidate as well as a first-round draft pick. We'll be right back. This episode of Beyond the X's and O's podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I talk to QBs all the time about handling all the pressure that comes with playing the position, reminding them that investing in their minds is just as important as investing in their bodies. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Get 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Dilfer. That's help with a P. All right, so Alex, you, you go to Utah. Um, you, I, I liked what you said. You really wanted to see where you stacked up. You wanted to play big boy football. Um, you wanted to see how good you could be. Um, but it didn't happen right away, right? You had to sit a little bit. You had to be patient. Yep. Talk us through, because right now, I just said, for contextually, you have so many kids that are going to college, and when it doesn't go their way, right away, they bolt. Some, it's a good decision, but others, yourself being one of them, you wait through the process, you, you toughen up, you learn more, you develop, you grow. It can be a great thing. So talk to us through your journey though, those first couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point you brought up. So I got recruited. Ron McBride was the head coach at Utah when I got recruited. And, and they they were in the Mountain West at the time and, and had a decent season the year before. And I kind of got recruited to be a pocket passer. I mean, again, I was this tall, slow, gangly kid. I could throw, but that was it. And I get recruited to go up there and totally unheralded, no stars, unranked, you know, no expectations for me. But I was loving being a student athlete at Utah. I was loving playing football and going to school. It was a dream of mine. I, again, I wasn't thinking about anything else other than, you know, making the most every day. And so I go into fall camp. I had a, I had a decent fall camp, but you, I'm a wide-eyed freshman. You know, uh, they, we had a, we had a, a senior quarterback um, that had started the year before. So there was no expectations for me to play. So I'm redshirting. I'm redshirting. I have a great camp, though. I'm loving going to school. I'm, you know, I'm living in the dorms, the whole experience. And the season starts going sideways. We start losing some games that we sh- we shouldn't, and we have like a mid-season bye. And they decide that they're gonna they're gonna bench the starting quarterback, and the backup is a sophomore, and they're gonna open the job up. The week bye week is for me, the backup sophomore, and me, who I'm redshirting, and they're gonna let us duke it out. I'm like, whatever. I mean, I got nothing to lose, you know? So we practiced that whole week, you know, trying to put our best foot forward. And I remember at the end of the week, I, you know, I felt like I played okay. And they're telling me they're going to pull me out of my red shirt. And, but I'm not going to start. They're going to go with the sophomore, but I'm going to play the rest of the year in spurts, kind of a two quarterback thing. I'm going to get a lot of playing time and get to develop. And, you know, I'm an 18 year old kid. I want to, I'm like, let's go. Sure. So, that next after the bye week, we're playing at San Diego State. So my last high school game was at Qualcomm. And now I'm back there playing San Diego State at Qualcomm. That's and awesome. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to go in in the second quarter, you know, and get some series. And then like it was kind of going to be one of those things like we'll see how the game goes and go from there. Anyway, it's, it's a tight game. I don't get in in the second quarter. You know, coaches' jobs are all on the line. So they're not, you know, don't get to put in this freshman. And it gets into the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, San Diego State, like, scores a couple touchdowns, and it gets ugly. Well, now then they decide to throw me in. We're down, like, three scores, and I'm a freshman. I'm going in for garbage time. So I go in, and I'm going. I'm an 18-year-old kid, and we, we're going no huddle. And back, I remember my freshman year, we, like, ran a huddle call, ran a play. I can't remember. I, like, threw a hitch, and it was like you got hit as soon as you caught it but they would point at you and it meant you got the call to play. So here I'm an eight year old kid and my second play, they just point to you. And we had like a little menu of plays. And so I remember, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I called like 
a bomb. I called like all go, like deep balls. And, and so I'm getting ready to snap it, and the defense calls timeout. Okay. And they call timeout. So we rehuddle up, and the offensive coordinator calls in a hitch again. And I'm like, all right, I just threw a hitch. And I go back to throw a hitch again on the same side. And the senior quarterback for San Diego State pick six it, jumps it, pick six to the house. And I'm at home. I hold, all my high school teammates are there. You know, Reggie, all those guys are all there. Pick six to the house. I played one more series after that. I think I got a sack twice. It was a, I played six plays. It was a horrible, bad, you know, it's a disaster. Disaster. So I played six plays. Anyway, I don't, I play one more play the rest of the year. Oh no. And your whole red shirt's burned. I burned my entire red shirt year. So I've wasted this year. I played seven plays. I got one more snap against New Mexico. The starter got hurt for like a play and I had to run in and I handed off and then he came back in. Because the, co- the coaching, you know, that obviously, again, their jobs were on the line. So I burned my whole year. Coaching staff gets let go. I'm in the dumps. Like, this is not what I thought college was going to be like. I feel like I kind of got lied to and, and tossed around, you know. And here I've wasted my entire redshirt year. And so I'm really kind of thinking about transferring. That was out there. Like, a lot of the Ivy League schools had said, hey, if it doesn't work out, you can transfer here. And I I'd kind of known that was there. And I was so bummed about the way that that fall went. Um that entire experience. And we, we hire a guy, a no name coach named urban Meyer. He was at Bowling green. Didn't know a thing about him. I'd never heard of him other than I, there were like these rumblings that he's kind of crazy, you know, he's intensely (laughs) crazy. And he runs a system where the quarterback was like 240 pounds and ran the ball, you know, 20 to 25 times a game. And here I am. I, I didn't get the red shirt, so I didn't get to put on a lot of weight or really develop that year. I was the backup the whole year. And so I decided, though, luckily, that, you know what, I wanted I wanted to stick it out. I didn't really feel like that I had given that, you know, the best shot. And I think it was, again, it would have been so easy to leave, you know, and, and I think it's easy to – the grass is always greener, you know, for a lot of people. And, and I decided to stick it out. And so Urban comes in with his whole young staff, and they're running this spread option which is, was kind of unheard of at the point. And again, I'm a pocket passer. I'm a slow, gangly. I've played under center my whole life. And all of a sudden, I, I mean, I remember how struggling taking shotgun snaps in all offseason. <laughs> We're doing all this ball handling read option. And I'm like, I'm reading the defensive end here. You know, that was like cutting edge. And, you know, just like what a great decision it was that I decided to stick it out. Obviously it changed my life. It's ironic that obviously fast forward two years later, we have a lot of success. And then it's so funny. Two years later, I'm pigeonholed as like the, I'm the spread option, gimmicky shotgun guy at that point, you know, and could I play under center? So it was so funny how things change, I think. Um, but that was my freshman year. It was a complete dumpster fire. What was the development like? Because obviously you had to get bigger, stronger, faster. I'm sure Urban, Dan Mullen yep. was your offensive Dan coordinator. Dan Mullen was my quarterback coach. Yep. Yep. You speak. Uh, I remember when we were together in San Francisco, you just raved about Dan and how he coached you um what was that what was that process like uh the intensity of getting bigger stronger faster and trying to become more athletic because again five seven one oh seven freshmen grow into this long but gangly quarterback that gets recruited well now you're the long gangly quarterback that doesn't move real well and you become I think your short shuttle is one of the best quarterback short shuttles in the history of the combine. I mean, I know you're a fantastic athlete. In fact, I brag about your athleticism all the time. So I just want to paint this picture of what you are right now, young person, is not what you can become. And there are tools to get there. So, Alex, what tools did you use to become the athlete that got drafted in the NFL? That's it's honestly, it's really when it started, when Urban and Dan came in and they came in. So that's we did winter conditioning you know, mat drills and we would do speed school. So we'd do mat drills, I think three times a week. And we did speed school a couple of times a week. And obviously we were lifting all the time. And I think that's in the back of my head, what I expected college to be like a place that I was going to go and get pushed in every aspect of my life. And it didn't happen that fall, but it, it, it came, you know, and, and, and I think I had to be patient, but it, it was really uncomfortable for a while. Like urban, like, I needed it. I needed to get pushed beyond my boundaries. Like in the weight room, it was so uncomfortable. Urban would come in there and he wanted Tim Tebow. There's a reason he, 
you know, in college, like the rest, he wanted these guys. He wanted big, strong, you know, jacked quarterbacks that were these intense leaders of their team. And I, I wasn't that at that point at all. And so he came in and he pushed me. I think he was a little bit, him and Dan, it was kind of, we wanted to see if you were on board. They wanted to see how committed you were. And it kind of forced your hand for everybody, myself included. And so, as a, I mean, I remember coming in and it was just like they were putting more weight on the squat bar, more weight on the bench press bar. And I mean, I could barely get this thing on my chest. And it was like more, you know, and we were doing these pull-up competitions. And as quarterbacks, I was competing against safeties and stuff. And like we're, you, you just didn't have a chance. We would do mat drills. And back then we would do these crazy wrestling mat drills. And he purposely paired the quarterbacks with the linebackers. And mind you, at, at Utah, there's a big, you know, big LDS, big Mormon, you know, section of the team. And some of these guys were like 24 years old and had, they had like two married with two kids. I'm this 18 year old kid that's weak and slow and I'm wrestling them and just getting my butt kicked. Like, I mean, uncomfortably just getting my butt kicked, but it, it really pushed me and I made gains. And I think that's when the light went on and, and I didn't make any of those gains physically from both a strength perspective and a speed perspective until college. Like it wasn't until the back end of my freshman year and my sophomore year that like pushing myself and getting pushed that hard that I, I did make those gains. And, and again, I, I will say these first few months when urban was there, it was, it was uncomfortable for me. Like when he would come in, I would try to leave the room because he challenged you, you know, he challenged you even in the meeting rooms, you know, he'd walk in. It was like, you would get up on the board and he'd sit down and he'd just start firing away questions. And if you're, if my X's and O's weren't neat enough, if I didn't have the hashes perfect, if I didn't, you know, and it, it, it did, it really pushed me. Um, and I grew a lot and, and it's funny. It wasn't, it, I mean, I was 18, 19, 20 years old when I made probably a lot of the biggest gains um, of my life. And it, it was from getting pushed that hard and I'm thankful for it. But again, I didn't like it when I, when I was, it was hard for me. It was uncomfortable, but again, looking back, like I'm so thankful, like to have coaches like that, that invested and, and wanted to get the most out of me um, and change my life. And that is, it's where I went from this slow kid that all of a sudden it was funny. Like I, two years later, it became a strength of mine. I love that you use the word uncomfortable. We, we talk about all the time. I think it's on the sign behind me, the edge of uncomfortable is where you find greatness. But what happens is I find, and please listen, young people and dads, everybody wants it, right, Alex? Like, you go around the country, you played all these years in the NFL, you've gone to these quarterback camps because you've gone with me. Um, everybody talks about how they want it. Everybody wants it. Only a few know how to go get it. And you got to be uncomfortable to go get it. And I'm glad you used that term because if you're listening and you are 5'7", 107, and you're a freshman in high school, guess what? You still got hope, but you got to go get it. You can't just want it. You got to be uncomfortable. You got to put yourself in places that you didn't think you would put yourself in. If you're in college and you're slow yep. or weak and you're looking at your seventh on the depth chart and you're looking up at the Adonis, like I can never be like him. Well, guess what? Alex is saying you can um, yep. because he put in the work and he was willing to be uncomfortable. He didn't run from an uncomfortable situation. So I'm so glad you talked about that. So you have this incredible, I mean, I remember when I when I was first with you, I actually knew more about Urban than I knew about you. Because as you guys ascended at Utah, he kind of was the headliner. And it wasn't really till the the pre-draft process that you started becoming the headliner. So again, I don't want to say anything bad about Urban. You don't have to, but I mean, was that as you left? Because you guys win the Fiesta Bowl, correct? You have yep. a big win yep. in the Fiesta Bowl, and then it, the whole thing starts for you. When did it kind of hit like, oh my gosh, I, I have a chance to be the first pick of the draft. Like this is crazy. I went from being kind of in the shadow of Urban Meyer and a really good quarterback to I'm, I'm the talk of the town and I'm the talk of the NFL. Yeah. So we played, you know, I played my whole sophomore year, which by the way, I, I only played again, the same, the same quarterback that I split that started in front of me the year before. Yep. He gets hurt in the opening game. He and I are splitting time and he breaks his wrist. And it kind of forced my hand. My first start was against Cal, Aaron Rodgers, Thursday yeah. night. And it was because he broke his wrist. And I I got, you know, I had the starting gig all to myself for a few weeks. And that's I really watched kind of that when, game. I, when, when I ran ran with it. And so we lost one game my sophomore year. We went to the Liberty Bowl. Um, and it was great. And then the next year coming in my junior year, we finally had got some attention. And, and absolutely, just like you're saying, Urban was really kind of the face of it. 
yeah. you know, big personality. And we were the small school. And it was, at that time, it was the, the BCS was in its prime. And, and the big question was, could one of these non-power conference, non-BCS schools, were they ever good enough? And no one had really kind of done it. People had flirted with it through most of the season, but they'd always lost the game late or something or fallen out. And, and for a bunch of kids, you know, that's for a bunch of kids that didn't get recruited by the big schools. That was our dream. You know, as a team, that's what we talked about in those moments in the winter when we did the matros was like, could, we can be the school to break this whole thing down. And that's all we worked for. And so going into my junior year, you know, we started the season nationally ranked and, and ran the table and, and had some great games. And that's really, again, I, like I, I did, I felt like they put more on me as coaches, you know, Urban and Dan, and, and, and it pushed me to grow. And, and I really did grow a lot that junior year. And I played my entire junior season with not a single thought of playing professional football. Like all wow. it was, was still, it was all just a dream to play in the BCS. Like that's all we talked about. I still had my senior year coming up, coming up and we go undefeated. We go to the Fiesta Bowl. And sorry, let me go back. We go undefeated. We beat BYU the last regular season game. And we're, we're going to get into the Fiesta Bowl. Fans rest the field. We take down the goalpost. There's, there's sombreros getting thrown everywhere um, on the field. And it was, it was magical. It's what we've been working for. And after that, I got through that entire season not thinking about professional football. And it was after that that I finally became aware, you know, through my uncle, who was, who was still, he was at Michigan State at this point. He had had some connections. He knew my agent, at the, at, who became my agent, Tom Condon, at that point. And he had asked to try to get some, some information, some real information. I officially petitioned to the NFL at that point to kind of see my grade as an underclassman to a board. They have a panel. But then my uncle really helped out and kind of spoke to some GMs and tried to get just an honest evaluation of where I was at. And at that point, they all came back that I was going to be a mid to late first rounder. And I'll never forget, my brother called me and broke the news to me. I didn't know my uncle was doing this. I, again, I played the whole year. I didn't I had no idea. And, you know, my family had kind of been helping, I think, gather this information. So my brother calls, my older brother calls and breaks this news to me. And I remember I was in the, I was in the football facility. I just got done working out. And I thought I, thought I was being punked. Like I thought he was joking with me. He, when he came back, I think it was like 14 GMs came back and like 13 of them gave me a first round grade. And I, and I'll never remember. I, I didn't believe him. I was like, shut up. You're lying. Like, come on, stop. And I remember looking around for cameras. Like I, I literally thought I was being punked. And oh. that just, it, it, like I, I, it was totally unexpected. I, I you know, yeah. I had no expectations on me at Utah. We flew into the radar. We were a small school. And all of a sudden, now to get this information, it was just like, oh, my God, like I, I, this is actually an opportunity for me. So I graduated, and Urban decided to take the Florida job yep. before our bowl game. So before the Fiesta Bowl, Urban decides to take the Florida job. I have, one, I have my senior year left. I've graduated. I got my degree. I'd started my master's in economics. And I got this first-round grade, and, and I kind of decided, you know what? I, I never thought in my wildest dreams this would ever happen. I've already – you know, Urban's leaving, Dan Mullen's leaving, and, you know, maybe it's the right time. I've graduated. Let's go see. And so I decided to leave. And I play the Fiesta Bowl. We win. I announce it a couple days later. And this is funny. This, so I announce it. I go up and I pack up my stuff in, in my tiny little car, and I have the press conference at Utah to say I'm, I'm going pro. And then I'll never forget, I'm driving back to San Diego with my car loaded stuff, and I get the call back from the panel, from the NFL panel at that point on the underclassmen and they tell me I've already declared and they tell me they tell me I'm going to be a second rounder that's the great thing about and so it comes out that like basically there were no senior the senior class was really weak that year and so it was Aaron Matt Liner and me were all the juniors and I think we all kind of got the same information that we were going to be first rounders but mid to late none of us got told we were going to be top 10 so Matt decided to stay back at, at SC and Aaron and I come out and then through the draft process, I mean, through the combines and the workouts, you know, the senior class was, was so weak that Aaron and I shot up, you know, all of a sudden yeah. we were at the front of this and it was really kind of Aaron or I as the, as the top quarterback and then doing the, you know, the interviews, the combine, that whole circus. And I mean, it just, how surreal it was all of a sudden I'm in the green room in New York on draft day, getting, getting my name called first. Like I, again, five, seven, one Oh seven. Like I never in my wildest dreams ever would have imagined that, that 
only seven years later that I'd be in that room. You know, like it was, it, it wasn't a long time period. And that is the perfect jumping off point for our second break. When we get back, uh, we will talk about a career in the NFL that is truly remarkable, both on and off. Uh, and Alex, you'll learn a lot from Alex's journey in the NFL. We'll be right back. Beyond the X's and O's is brought to you by State Farm. Just like State Farm offers surprisingly great rates for your car insurance, I want to share with you a surprisingly great moment from my career. It actually goes back to training camp of 2000, my first year at the Baltimore Ravens, my only year at the Baltimore Ravens. Brandon Stokely was a young receiver trying to make the team. He was going to get cut. Brandon and I had developed a really nice rapport in training camp, as had the other quarterbacks. Uh, I went into the front office and the, and the coaching staff and really fought hard to keep them. And I had developed a respect from the coaching staff and the front office, so they listened. Uh, I said, listen, this kid can bring us something we don't have. Uh, he's a guy that can play inside in the slot. He's a long strider. He can get open versus tight coverage. He can read zones. He's going to be a monster on third down in the red zone. Well, sure enough, they keep him. And Brandon Stokely catches the first touchdown in Super Bowl 35 from yours truly. And that's why I love the journey of the quarterback. There's so many surprisingly great lessons to be learned from this unique position. And remember, whether you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback or an armchair QB relaxing happily at home, State Farm provides coverage that meets your needs at a price that fits your budget. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so your name gets called first. You go to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, again, we could spend forever talking about your NFL journey. I want you to do this, and I'll give you a little bit of time here to kind of talk it out. Either in a word or a phrase, sum up your NFL journey, and then we'll dive into that. It was a grind early. It was hard. It was one of the hardest things I've done, meant the mental journey that I went through. And looking back, I learned so much that ended up helping me later on in life, especially with my injury. Um, I think about perspective and mindset, um, dealing with expectations, pressure to perform. Let's start there. Let's start there. Yeah. We'll get to mindset. We'll get into grind. Because uh, yeah. I think that's naturally going to come up, right? Everybody knows your story. Yeah. I'm not, we're not, this is not the, Football life, Alex Smith yeah. injury, 30 for 30, right? People can go watch ESPN. It's incredibly well done on Alex's comeback from the injury. But I want people to pull, extract stuff out of this. So when they go through hard times in life, they've heard it from you. What set that foundation for you to overcome these incredible things? So so let's start there. Uh, just talk to me about their early years and, and what that was like. Yeah, man. So I was 20 years old when I got my name called. I couldn't even, couldn't even have a drink. And then um, Tim Tay started the season as the quarterback that for that first year. And, and Mike McCarthy was the coordinator. And I really, again, I, we were running a, I, the big challenge was, could I be a pro quarterback? You know, and yep. I was a shotgun spread option guy. And, and could I do this and play under center? And that was kind of the challenge. And, and I really struggled with people's validation. I wanted to prove to everybody that I was worth the pick, you know, at this point. And I tried to on every single play in my mind and every waking moment was kind of consumed with proving it to everybody, you know, and, and, and as an early pick, this whole bus thing kind of hangs over you. And my, and I really didn't set myself up. My rookie year was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. I mean, I threw, I think I threw one touchdown and like 12 picks. Um, we were the worst team in football, all the pieces around me, we were not a good football team. It was a huge adjustment to play under center for me in, in this offense, this West Coast offense. Defenses were a huge adjustment to me. You know, I played in college in basically four formations. You know, all of a sudden now shifts and motions and it, it was a huge learning curve for me. And, and I, looking back, yeah, I'm not sure I even should have been playing that pressure my, my rookie year. I mean, it was, it was, it was not a, I wasn't ready. The entire team was, it, it wasn't a good you know, environment. Um, and I really dug myself a hole, but I, I, I do think back to just where I was, I was, I was constantly distracted by my, by, by myself. I became my own worst enemy. And I was, you know, I remember coming out of the tunnel and the weight that I carried And here. I mean, a dream come true, running out of a tunnel to play professional football on a Sunday pack stadium. And, and I'm, my mind is, is a hundred different places. I'm worried about what all these other people are going to think about me. And all those were, were I, be, I became my own big distraction, right? I mean, it's hard enough, the hardest job in sports, maybe. And it demands a crazy level of focus. And I was completely distracted by, you know, and I did it to myself. I became my own worst enemy. 
and my own self-talk and my own self-doubt got in my way. And it really prevented, I didn't even give myself a chance, you know, looking back. And I had never dealt with those expectations. I had never dealt with that pressure. I was a kid, like I said, unheralded, no stars. There were, ne I never had that put upon me. And um, this was my first time dealing with it and dealing with it on the biggest stage. And it was really hard. That is pretty interesting. You flew under the radar in high school. You kind of flew under the radar in college until late. Yep. Yep. Um, so this was really your first opportunity. You were dealing with the heavy criticism and the high expectations and the, the pressure associated with it. So talk to me about year two, the huge transition after year one, um, year two, really year two, three, four, that, that kind of period of time. Cause I know I saw massive yeah, growth in you. Our years. Yeah. 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 So the, I mean, I think the big move too, I, and it was, it was a big help. I played my whole, my whole rookie year. There were no veterans in the quarterback room. I was doing it by yeah. myself. No one had started, no one had done it, you know, and, and yeah. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. And, um, it was big North came in and, yep. and you came in. You know, and, and it was a big deal for me. There were finally here some examples, some knowledge, some people to help show me what it's supposed to look like. Like, I didn't know what it was supposed to look like. I didn't, you know, so it's hard to even have a goal. Like, I didn't know. You know, here I'm drafted an organization, Joe Montana, Steve Young. You know, I'm the number one pick. You know, you got to be Peyton Manning. Like, I, but I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't, I, how do you get there? I mean, I had no idea on a daily basis what that looks like. And so finally, I think to have you and North come in, and to help show me what it was supposed to be like, right? What it's supposed to look like. And that's where I think I started to ascend. You know, that year we, I finally started making some plays. My second year was better. You know, we, we, I think we finished seven and nine or eight and eight. And, you know, I threw as many touchdowns as I did picks, which was progress for me. And yeah. yeah and again, I think that's where the light went on a little bit that I could play. You know, we, we got AB was a big deal. You know, remember coming, coming in and Antonio Bryant playing receiver. So it, yeah, it was before that. I, I still was wondering if I was a fraud, you know, was I yeah. deserving of this? And then my second year helped me, I think a little bit understand that like, no, I can do this, but it just takes, it takes a lot of focus. It takes a, a attention to detail. I remember about midway through that season, it was after the Denver game. Remember we beat Denver up with Denver. You made some big plays with your feet and your arm brought, kind of brought us back if I remember correctly Norv called just some amazing plays late yep, in the game yep. dialed him up for you I remember sitting in his office remember that little table he'd put his feet up and the nuts were in the middle yes, and yes where yep. we had all those great times with Jesse Palmer and Sean Hill you and me but anyways yep. he calls me up and he's like what are your thoughts like you've been around the kid now for a while when I said he's got the stuff he goes I totally agree he goes he he's got to get better some things here or there, but we both agreed you had the stuff, like the right stuff, the, the fortitude, the toughness, the work ethic. You were really growing into a good leader. And I want, I do want to get into that. I don't, I'll tee you up because you're not going to talk about yourself as a leader, but um, really sorry you start growing that way. But then year three comes and I'm still there. And I mean, we had high expectations. I remember that it was Snorf's second year. We had some talent finally. Um, you had played really well at the end of that second year, uh, high expectations coming in. And it was kind of a train wreck all over. I know this because I was forced to play and I never signed up to play any football when I went to San Francisco, <laughs> I signed up to help you play football. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you, I mean, you get hurt. Your shoulder is yeah. bad. You're fighting back from it. You're trying to play too soon. Uh, and I, I guess the question here, and you really don't have to spend that much time here is, uh, as you start to see yourself, like you said, you're starting to figure it out and big expectations year three. And it was kind of a disappointment. What'd you learn from that year? Huge disappointment. I remember the big one. I was so pumped. Norv was looking like he was going to get the Dallas job. Yep. And he didn't, he didn't get it. And it was like, Oh, I was remember being so jacked because I played every snap the year before. I felt like I had grown under Norv and it's like, man, he was coming back. And then the chargers fired, uh, Schottenheimer late. And then Norv, got that charger job late. And so um, we wanted to keep the same system. So Haas got made, Jim Haas got made the OC and we were still running the digits, but it, it was, and I got hurt early in the year. I got, I think we were two and one and we were playing the Seahawks at home and, and I went down on my right shoulder and I yep. separated, separated my shoulder and everything from there, I felt like kind of changed. I tried to come back and play and I, I learned a ton about, I think dealing with that and, and it's, you know, playing through an injury and putting yourself out there. And there's still an expectation that you got to go out there and perform, especially as a quarterback touching the ball every play. Um, and it did, we had expectations on us, I think to even kind of win that division. And, and it, and it, the whole season ended up spiraling, spiraling down big time. And, and 
underachieved. I ended up having surgery on my shoulder to repair the, the, the separation later in the year. And it was hard. And I felt like I, I started to climb out and I kind of slipped back into that hole. And I'm going to sum all this up just for sake of time, because I think so many people want to hear about the Andy Reid years and, and just talk about the back half of your career. But and again, you can jump in anytime. People want to hear from you, not me, Alex. But I'm just going to try to help navigate this. Seven years in San Francisco, a bunch of different offensive coordinators, turnover at the head coaching position. Uh, Harbaugh comes in. This guy, Colin Kaepernick's there. You play really well. You take him to the playoffs. Then he's going to play. You're not going to play. Blah, 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 blah. I think everybody kind of knows that. Here's what I'll tell everybody what they don't know. We were talking a lot, I wouldn't say a lot, but we stayed in pretty good communication around that time. And I was blown away. And to this day, I use an example all the time. You were steadfast in trying to control what you could control. You weren't getting caught up in all the drama. You never felt sorry for yourself. I still think you hadn't had your epiphany yet. Like there's, wow, there's a real offense out there that I'm getting to go see at some point. I remember that conversation. I'm going to tee up on that one in Kansas City. But your leadership, your moral authority in that locker room. I remember sitting on a Monday night set talking with Steve Young about Alex Smith. And he said, I don't care if he plays well or not. He's carried the legacy of moral authority in that locker room. He is a true professional leader. And I will always root for him because then I'm like, amen, brother. Like, yes. <laughs> like you grew so much from that kid that was seeking validation as a rookie and was getting in your own head to now seven years later, everybody has an opinion of Alex or Colin or this or that and what's going to happen. And yet you were just steadfast in your commitment to that organization. And I just want to make sure I said that you can add anything you want to it, but I think that's the easiest way to sum up the seven years of San Francisco. No doubt. I think at the end, yeah, I mean, I appreciate, it. I think at the end I did, I did learn that, right? Like the, the big, the big thing up for me taken away as far as can controlling what you can control it, it was eliminating distractions as well. Like things come at us all the time in life, adversity, good, bad, all, all these things are coming at us. And, and a little bit, I, I think it's what we do with it, how we react to it. That's most important. And, and I think that through all the struggles, even my own with that, right. My own self-doubt um, learning that, that that was a distraction in itself and, and coming out of that. And, and I think I was ready for the next opportunity. The biggest lessons for my first seven years, I, I think were the mental lessons. That, that I did learn. I think that, uh, I think the toughness, but I think to come back again, I got to be around some amazing teammates, everybody and, and people that played a long time, yourself included. And I, and I realized that nobody has it easy. Like everybody goes through adversity. And I think the ones that I realized that had long careers and found success are the ones that didn't let them affect. It didn't affect them the most. It didn't linger. They didn't bring the play before with them the day before the week before uh, they, they found a way to refocus themselves on, on what was in front of them. Right. And, and again, going back to things they could control. And, and I think that was a big wake up call for me to finally get out of my own way. You know, oh, um, that's gold dust right there. We're going to cut that piece right there. And every quarterback in the world should listen to that sound bite. Yeah. And then I, and then it, it just so happened to coincide with the next opportunity, you know, Colin, Colin came in and rolled and obviously took us to the Super Bowl, And I felt like, I felt like I had warmed up the slot machine. You know, I put in my time. And, and then I, I got up for a second and I felt like the, the, some, you know, someone came in and hit the jackpot. But, you know, obviously Colin, those, he, he was rolling. Those first seven, eight games of his were historic, yeah. you know, from a quarterback perspective. And, and um, everything I had learned, I was ready. I was ready for Kansas City and, and that opportunity. Yeah, it really was. And it was, I remember the phone call. I'll remember forever. I've told people the story just because when they really get to see offense, like when they, for the first time, like you've been, you've grown up in some good stuff. We'll call it good yep. stuff. It's not bad, yep. but it's good. And then you get like that golden key to the vault of the best stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking on the phone. And you're like, Trent, I had no idea it could be yeah. like this. Yeah. Like we got these concepts, these formations, we can get to a bunch of different ways and we can motion and shift. And there's, there's always the cheese. You said there's always something free there yardage wise. And yeah. we can run the ball. We throw it deep. We can throw it short. There's no restrictions. I feel like all the chains have been lifted off of me. Uh, is that a fair assessment of our conversation when you went to Kansas yeah, City? Absolutely. I mean, I, up until that point, I still felt like there was some, it was hard sometimes, right? It was hard yeah. passing game and, and, you know, like, you know, you had to, you had to make the great throw to like yes. get something going. And then it was funny, like go to Kansas City and it was like, 
ah, throw this wide route to Jamal Charles and, you know, <laughs> and get 20 yards. You know, like there were so many gimmies built into the offense. Yes. That I had those, you know, like the, the 10, 12 plays a game as a quarterback when you were just like, oh, just here's the screen or here's the little check down. And all of a sudden, like you wouldn't even realize it. And like, oh, I'm throwing for 250, 300, like, and, and a few touchdowns. Like I had those breather plays, like everything wasn't hard. And it wasn't, I, it was really put on everybody. I think that, you know, the collective group, and I didn't feel like it was just thrust on, you know, hey, the quarterback, go out there and make plays, go, go win us this game. It was really just go run the offense. And I didn't have to do anything special. I just had to run the offense, be the, be the facilitator. And then it's so funny that when you, I think that mentality and going to do that, I, all of a sudden I started playing better. And all of a sudden the big plays just came naturally. Like, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't something I was trying to do. Um, I think I was just present in the moment and playing football. And, and, and I think that stuff comes to you. And when you try and force it and try to make it happen, um, nothing ever good's coming that way. And so, yeah, and, and we definitely grew. It was, it was, it was so good to be a part of that offense. And then as like more talent started to come in, we drafted Travis Kelsey, you know, we drafted Tyree kill. And it's like, we signed Jeremy Macklin, like, you know, like all of a sudden you've got these guys all over the place that throw shallow cross, you know, like, uh, down or, you know, 22 Z in and, and they're going for these huge chunks. And, and, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, changed my life. And, 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 Andy was so big into like, let your personality show be you. I didn't have to be anybody else for once. Like I, I felt like I'd been trying to be Joe Montana, Steve Young, you know, I'd been trying to be Peyton Manning and like, no, I would just, just be you. And, and I was at that point, I was okay with that. You know, I, yeah, I can be, just be me and that's enough. And you played your tail off. I, I, I hear people because not everybody, there's this kid that came into town. His name's Mahomes or something. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. kid rolls into town and everybody goes, Oh, we knew we had the truth when we got there. People forget you were playing your tail off. You're putting up huge numbers. You guys are winning games, but yeah. how long did it take you? Like deep down now that you can talk about it, it's over. Yeah. Like how long was he on campus before you knew? Holy smokes. I, my job here is not for long. I knew there were, there were a couple instances. One, I think I, his work ethic and he was like in his mindset, he's a ball player and he loved coming to work and he loved learning and he loved competing. And I think that, you know, for me, that one, as a young kid, that was rare. He would, there was not prima donna in him. He just, he came to work in sweats every day. He loved ball. And, you know, we could be playing QB games or shooting hoops in the locker room or whatever. Like he'd like to compete. And he loved it. He'd kind of grown up in that environment. And, and I think that was one. I think midway through the year, watching him run scout team is when it wasn't, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't in training camp. You know, he yeah, could throw the he ball. Was lost. He, he, he learned yeah. nothing in college. And he has yes. a unique skill set, you know, and he's, you know, he's whipping the ball around. And, but like it, it, he hadn't quite got it in. But I remember midway, kind of mid to three quarters away through the year, watching him run scout team. And, and he would, at that point, he would already like, he could chuck a no look slant in there. You know, we'd run slant flat and he'd look it off and hum a, hum a, you know, he's running, he's going against our starting defense and he could roll out and huck a ball back across his body. And you're just like, I, I mean, I, I've never, never seen that, you know, and it would, he could carry it. It would just get juice on it. And so I think then kind of in the two things, I think they're combined. Like you can have a crazy skill set, but like, he came in, he was in there early. He put in the work, like he was diligent. You know what I'm saying? He's a good kid. He worked hard in the, just as hard on the mental side as he did as gifted as he is physically. And, and I think seeing those two, and then we had clinched, we went to the playoffs for my five years there. We clinched and we couldn't get a better seat. So I didn't play the last week of the year and we let him play. We were at Denver and he played and it was, you could tell it was not, not too big for him. You know, he, he could, <laughs> yeah. He made the flashy play, but he made the layups too. He made the free yeah. throws, you know? Yep. And, and I think that's important to remember as a guy that obviously makes a lot of highlights, but like he, he made the free throws too, you know, he did what he was supposed to do. And he, 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 you could tell he had it. And then for me, it was all about the playoffs at that point. You know, how deep yeah. could I get us as far as like, could I keep, you know, could I stay? And then we ended up, we losing, we lost to the Titans that year in the playoffs. And obviously I, you know, writing was on the wall at that point. All right, let me put a bow on this. You've been so gracious with your time. And again, I encourage everybody listening. If you want to know more about what Alex went through, the horrific injury, his rehab, 
all that stuff. ESPN did an incredible piece on that, and uh, it's definitely worth the watch. But Alex, I want to talk about the best thing in your life, Elizabeth and the three kids. And as of you, I, I was lucky enough when you met her, uh, I was there with you. Um, yep. Even though I had turned you pink, you still went to Yosemite oh, with God. her. And well, we will not tell that story publicly. Right. Yes, I did turn Alex pink with money laundering powder. Um, we'll do a set. Se- yeah. We'll do a separate episode the just on quarterback ever. practical jokes. Uh, but anyways, it just in the remaining time. Talk about Elizabeth, talk about the kids, talk about how much they've meant to you as you've been on this journey. Um, yep. And then you take us home. You know, I think it then going back, it, it also, I mean, it changed my life, right? I mean, obviously meeting Elizabeth and, and she was there in the rough years, man. It was rough when, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's calling for the chant David Carr, you know, as the backup, <laughs> the entire candlestick on national TV. I mean, it was, it was tough. Um, and she was there through it, you know, with me unwavering and then having kids, you know, I think to go back to the mindset thing and, and you, you learn pretty quick as a parent, it's not what you say, you know, it's, it's, it's how you live your life that I think is the most important. And for me, I didn't want to be distracted anymore. I didn't want to be the guy that was worried about what people thought about it. I didn't want to live like that. I didn't want to see my kids see me live like that, you know, and that I want to want to be present, you know, I want to be focused mm. and, and, and give myself a chance. And, and uh, I think that all kind of coinciding with the things I learned on the football field career-wise, I think really helped me. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's made, I mean, amazing. I, like that's, it's why I decided to walk away and retire, you know, at this point, my, my family sacrificed so much for me. Uh, never thought I'd play a year and to play 16 and, and, you know, move across the country. And, you know, I was ready, I was ready to, to be a husband and a dad um, and, and focus on them and, 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 and loving it as I figure out this, uh, you know, ne- next chapter. Well, as one of your biggest fans always have been, you will dominate the second phase of your life like you dominated the first. And say hi to Elizabeth and the kids for me. And I appreciate your friendship. appreciate you sharing your story. Um, and I tell you what, Alex, so many people will listen to this, watch this, and take those nuggets away, and they'll be better because of it. So thank you for your time. Yep. I appreciate it. Love you, bro. Well, thanks for joining us for episode one of season two. I thought Alex Smith was amazing. So much to take out of that. Uh, Next week, we'll be with another former teammate of mine and one of my dearest friends on the planet, Matthew Hasselbeck. And a big thanks to our friends at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.